1: Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. This evening, I'm absolutely delighted to bring back George Sessions, Press Association journalist. George, how are you?
2: Yeah, good, thanks. Much, much better after uh, the 6-2 win yesterday for England. Than, um, and no no injury, hopefully, for Kane after that little little scare. So, happy days.
1: Absolutely. It's always a worry, isn't it, when all our players go off on international duty about injuries. Um, George, let's talk a little bit about... Um, Time off at the moment because, of course, no Premier League action. Uh, of course, the World Cup is on at the moment. Um, has it been a busy few months for you? Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, you don't want to complain about watching football, but that period from after the national, the September international window to the to that last game, November the twelfth, was really, really full on. And I think you know, for anyone travelling to the games, you know, fans, journalists, and and players playing in it and and coaching stuff, I think everyone kind of felt it during those last couple of weeks. So to end as we did with a really, really important win and now to sort of everyone can can breathe a little bit easier and, and rest up and recharge the batteries, I think it's probably much needed because this the World Cup being when it is, it's just massively squeezed that, that fixture, lift, fixture list, which normally would have been, you know, probably Premier League on the weekend, Champions League midweek, and then you wouldn't play Champions League for another two weeks. So you'd have a little bit of respite. But to have it all in the middle, Carabao Cup chucked in a, a midweek, league fixture as well was 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 pretty um pretty ridiculous I think in, in hindsight and Conte was saying that from from early doors and a lot of other players and, and managers did. So probably one to uh don't do the World Cup again in the, in
1: winter, I think we'd all probably agree. No, definitely not. Well we are here to talk about Tottenham's season so far, uh talk about some player um appearances and uh also talk a little bit about the transfer window. Um, George, what have you made of Tottenham's season so far? Because of course Spurs are sat in the top four. Uh, we're in the last sixteen of the Champions League. Yes, we got knocked out in the Carabao Cup, which was truly disappointing. We've got the FA Cup to come. Um, how would you rate this season so far? You pleased?
2: I think on paper you kind of have to be pretty pleased, don't you? Just mentioned top four, Champions League last sixteen. Everyone would have taken that if you if you'd offered that, like. August August 5th, before Southampton, you're going to be fourth. You're going to be in the last 16. You probably would have lost three or four games. You, everyone would have said, OK, yeah, that, that sounds like a decent start. It, but I guess the performances are the disappointment. And obviously the first half, you know, the, the second half team, aren't we, at the minute? Um, I mean, it's it's a job, a job done, not a job well done, I guess, because it feels like there's a lot more left. I guess the only thing that you have to... Caveat it all with is that injuries have really, especially to the forward areas, have really, really hurt Spurs. You know, and Sonny not being in the best of form hasn't helped either. You know, 23 goals last year and he's got five goals this season, but they're in two games. So that's a lot of games where he hasn't scored. So I think you'd probably give it a seven out of 10. Um, and I guess the, the real positive is that you think there's a lot more levels for this Spurs team to go. And I guess last season it took. The second, I know Conte only arrived in November, but it probably wasn't really until March time when we saw him and this team really hit the ground running, get into a full steam ahead. So you'd like to hope the same would happen, that the second half of the season, they'll be a lot stronger. But yeah, top four into through to the Champions League last 16, you, you've got to be happy with that. But we just want, you want more in terms of performances and, and a few more first-half goals. I and mean, everyone wants
1: that. What do you put that down to, George, these first-half performances? Because... Every time I go to either a home or away game, you think this is it. You know, this is the turning point. This is where we start off extremely well on the front foot, um, attacking uh, style play. It doesn't seem to happen. It hasn't happened so far. And do you feel excited the fact that we are in the top four, uh, that, that we are in the last 16 of the Champions League and we haven't got out of first gear? Because, you know, some people could say, well, the exciting stuff is still to come. Yeah, the, I think that is the
2: real key point to sort of laser on. And I think that was Conte's kind of message during those last couple of press conferences where, you know, there'd been a little bit of booing at half time, you know, thinking of the Newcastle game, Liverpool as well, I think there was. And I think he was getting a bit frustrated that the bigger picture wasn't being seen actually. We've had no Kulisewski pretty much for, you know, two yeah. months. Richarlison was out for a whole month. Sonny not being in the greatest of form. And we are still full. We are still through to the Champions League, even if we made. Very hard work of it. Um, So that is a real positive. I think the first half performances. I mean, there was a bit of a theory in Italy that it was it wasn't necessarily a tactic, but it was a real kind of instruction that the players didn't. You know, Conte didn't want the players to be exerting loads of energy during this first half of the season. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily buy that, but what I do think is probably valid is that Conte teams don't generally go all guns blazing first half you look at what his Chelsea side was like and even even in the Milan you know going further back to Juventus they are generally you know they start solid get to halftime nil nil one nil and then they sort of kick on second half and, and be professional really and, and his, his CV says it all you know everywhere he goes it's essentially you get the job done it's not always the best of football but Spurs have scored a lot of goals this season just been in, in real funny patches. You know, think of the Leicester game. Spurs didn't play that well against Leicester, but they scored six goals, which feels bizarre to say. So I think some of it has kind of been the way that Conte does set the team up, not to give too much away during the first half. And also, I guess, what probably has to be factored in is the fact that because he didn't rotate the players that much, in those last couple of weeks, fatigue was really setting in. I mean, yeah, just one person in particular. I've all... But Eric Dyer had a really, really good first half of the season up till around mid-October. And then you just saw that the mistakes were creeping back into his game because he had barely been rested. And I think the Liverpool game he made a mistake that there was another big one that I can't think off the top of my head. Liverpool, but before yeah. that, I thought he'd been really, really good. Um and I just think that was a bit of fatigue catching up on the players. And and I guess the good thing as well is that the World Cup. If it was distracting them, you know, they obviously everyone insisted it wasn't. If it was distracting them, it's not going to be a distraction for the second half of the season. Because I imagine those last few games, it must have been in people's heads, you know, sliding in for tackles and going up yeah. to win to win headers. It's understandable, isn't
1: it? George, cool. as well as being a journalist, you are a Tottenham fan as well. Um, what what have you made of the or what do you make of the style of play under Antonio Conte? Because you mentioned booze there. I'll tell you what, I've I've never known uh, you know to go to so many games in one season and, and listen to booze at home stadium is is crazy and and the amount of people that are on Antonio Conte's back at the moment do you do you think that that's justified?
2: No I don't think it is. I mean we would all like the football to be how it was under Poch when it was peak which was what you know sixteen, seventeen you know that last season about Arlene it was it was unbelievable, wasn't it? But even yeah during the times when, you know, when we made the Champions League final, the football weren't free-flowing. There's plenty of games where we, you know, by hook or by crook, got through it. Um, And a lot of games where we didn't play very good football and, and we'd lose. So, I know that we've always played good football and maybe what Conte is facing a little bit is kind of the backlash of the fact that we had Jose, whose football wasn't super exciting you know obviously we then had Nuno's who wasn't winning but it also wasn't super exciting and so we've had three managers in a row that aren't necessarily on the front foot but look at the goals that Spurs have scored under contact and it's hard to not it's hard to not look at that and say well actually we you know, you're getting goals maybe the football and the entertainment in terms of the style isn't always the best but it is a, he has only been there a year you know you can't expect him to to come in overnight and straight away the football is you know Man City, Barcelona-esque. I guess a big thing that I think as well is that the way Spurs are playing and the way that Spurs are going to play under Antonio, that is probably how we're going to win a trophy. Let's let's be perfectly honest. We're not going to turn into Man City overnight. We're not going to be playing the sort of football that Liverpool play because you can't just do it overnight. And those teams that have been the best it for the last three or four years. So maybe the way for Spurs to win a trophy, to be a contender, is to be solid defensively and to be a counter-attacking team. Because that's you know, traditionally, if you take away Man City aside from it, the best teams have been like that.
1: Is that your message then, George, to, to fans that are not liking the style under Antonio Conte and not liking him being... Tottenham Hotspur head coach at the moment, because I've got to admit, me personally, I'm fully behind this guy, and I completely agree uh, with what you just said. I think if anyone's going to lead us to silverware, it's going to be Conte. Uh, and I've always said, I don't think that we can go from, from Pochettino to Jose Mourinho um, to Antonio Conte. I'm not even going to include Nuno in that because, you know, he's only, only a short spell. Uh, but three fantastic managers. You know, Spurs cannot go through these three fantastic managers and win nothing, can they? I hope not. God, no. I, I think that would be the
2: message that you've got. Arguably, the best manager we've ever had since Bill Nick, and I don't say that lightly because I think Postino was amazing and he did incredible things with us. But he didn't win a trophy, and his CV doesn't stand up to Conte's. And Jose, you know, you can you can argue whether Jose has been a better manager than Conte, but when we had him, he wasn't he wasn't the Jose of as he was at Chelsea or? or as he was at sort of Inter Milan kind of thing. that He was, was a different Joe He was the one that had been sacked by Man United, been sacked by Real Madrid and been sacked by Chelsea. So I think Conte is, has got to be the best manager we've had for a long, long time. And you have to buy into a manager like that. You, you, can't, you can't expect him to change to, for us. We, we have to change for the manager at certain points. I think, look at Man City. Man City didn't play like, like Pep wants Ten years ago, you know, he Pep took over and he made them play the way he wanted them to play, and that's what you have to do with these managers. The same with Liverpool. Liverpool weren't playing the way Klopp wanted them to play when before Klopp took over. It's it's the manager's style. He he implements that on the club, and he gets results or it doesn't get results. But in twelve months since Conte's been there, it's got results. And and the exciting thing is, as you said earlier, it doesn't feel like we've even hit anywhere you know near near top of our strides during the first half of this season. So. We should be better during the second half of the season. I, I honestly think we will be a lot better in the second half of the season. But the trouble is we are competing with teams that have sort of unlimited finances and and stupid squads like Man City. So it, it's obviously really hard. But I think if there's any way we're going to break that monopoly, I think it is playing Antonio Conte's style of football.
1: Well, what do you think about club direction, George? Like th- this time last year compared to now, um, Conte has certainly brought us on. Now, what worries me slightly as a Spurs fan is his contract expires on the 30th of June, as he rightly said in a couple of press conferences ago. Um, What do you make of this situation? It's quite unique, isn't it? The fact that we're in November, we're in a World Cup, which of course has never happened before, a Winter World Cup, as you said earlier. Um, What do you make of this Conte contract situation? When will a decision be made? And do you think it will stay for next year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's as big as it, big an issue as kind of people are uh, sort of looking at it as because Spurs do have the option to extend it by twelve months, and that's that's Spurs' option. Doesn't matter what what Conte wants to do, you know, Spurs can extend it, it by twelve months. Obviously,
1: you know, if he doesn't that, want to stay, is that the case though, George? Because if if Spurs suddenly say tomorrow, right, Antonio, uh, you know, we, we've decided to extend this for another twelve months. Surely he has the say in in saying, well, no, actually, I don't want to do it. I know they have the option. What 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 do you make of that situation?
2: Well, I guess you have to look at it from the two sides. You know, obviously Conte is a great manager, so you'd think Spurs would obviously want to extend it now. But say things go disastrously wrong over the next two months, and it, you know, and this is football, so anything can happen. And Levy decides in February, actually. I think we need to change. We need a different direction. I've got to sack Conte. All of a sudden, he's now got to pay him off a whole year and a half, not just pay him off for a few months or let him go to the end of the season. So it isn't just as simple as Spurs having the option and thinking that, you know, why wouldn't they do it? And for Conte, it's also a tiny bit of a power play, isn't it? To say, my contract runs down until the end of the summer, which is factually correct as as we speak now, but but Spurs do have the option. But for him, it's, it's just keeping... You know, he's essentially, in a way, flexing his muscles and saying, "Look, my contract ends in June. If you don't do what I want, there'll be other clubs that want me." So it's so it's it's just you see this a lot with managers and clubs. I mean, Pochettino felt like he did it all the time when he when he spoke about these type of things. Just used it in, in the right moments. But I don't think personally it's a big issue. And um, all the noises that you get from Conte and and from around the club and people outside the club as well. You know, even talking to people that are in Italy and we're always seeing this link with Juventus, I think that's absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I don't think Conte would want to go back to Juventus. And I'm not sure Juventus would want Conte either. Maybe certain people at Juventus would, but but not the key people at Juventus. So that's just two and two and, and coming up with five kind of thing. But I think I look at where Conte could go now and he generally seems so happy with... The facilities, the stadium, a large amount of the squad he seems happy with. He's got everything there and he's working in the Premier League, which is, you know, whether people disagree or not, it is viewed as the best league in the world, the richest league in the world. So you have to ask where where else would he want to be working? So and I, I generally, I think there's a lot of times during the last few months where I feel like he could have really gone hard on the board in press conferences and said very very strongly we need this we need that and he's he's kept pretty pretty cordial compared to what he was like at Chelsea so um so that gives me hope that he generally is happy at Spurs and I I do think as long as we see progress in the January transfer window Spurs have a good second half of the season I I do honestly think this might be the club where he he breaks his kind of two three year duck because everything is there for him If, if if he seems as happy as as he is coming across that at the minute.
1: He does always talk about spending money, though, George. And how confident are you? Um, I know we will talk about the January uh, transfer window. I want to talk about some players before we talk about the window. But how confident are you that Conte will be backed in the upcoming January transfer window? Because I think it's such an interesting one where he's stated clearly in a press conference only a few weeks ago, my contract ends on the 30th of June. I know you're, you're stating that you, know, you think you'll stay, but if he hasn't signed on that dotted line, how does Spurs back him fully in the January transfer window? I, 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 help me understand that, 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 that point. Because if you don't back him, then what's the point of him being
2: there? If you don't believe that he's going to be there longer? Well, I mean, starting point, January, Spurs need reinforcements so if you don't want to buy the players that conte wants then then get rid of him in january because you don't you don't believe in what you don't believe in him so if you don't believe in him how can he be your manager so i think that's probably the the key the key point that the players that conte wants you've got to bring him in and i guess the other thing in his favour as you look at the way he's left clubs he does leave clubs in in a, in a strong position in fairness i mean in the milan you know Simone and zaggi went in there and picked up the mantle pretty quickly. They were quite unlucky actually not to win the league last year. And I think that actually, I wouldn't say that's the best squad in Italy. Um, Not not at all. So, And you could even make an argument for Chelsea. I mean, it wasn't that long after he left Chelsea that they were back and a couple of years later, they obviously won the Champions League under Tuchel. So, he does leave clubs in in good position. So, I think you do have to to back his judgment And, and, and also, I guess the other thing is he will have players he wants, but you know, at the end of the day, is is Paratici that that is the one making the signing, so his his head is on the line rather rather than necessarily being Conte's. But I do think, even though this June the 30th issue is is sort of worrying people, I just honestly think it's Conte's way of reminding everyone that you know you need to back me in January. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit still. If we sit still, then yeah, I I will leave when I want essentially. Because as much as I think he will stay. And, and I suppose over the 12 months option, if someone doesn't want to be there if the club don't want him, then then you leave, don't you? So it, everyone has to be kept happy and Conte will be kept happy if they make silence in January, which they've got, what, 40, 50 million left of this 150 that we had in the summer. And there's definitely, I think we saw last January how important it was to make key additions um and um yeah i'm so, I'm certain Spurs will make at least two signings in in January, and hopefully they're really really top top quality signings or if not you know first first starting players, then they they're going to be in that kind of 13, 14, 15 bracket of the squad that Conte wants to be reliable players essentially.
1: Yeah, for for me personally, I think they've, they've got to be players like Kulusevski and Benton Coeur who 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 literally walk straight into the fir- first starting eleven. Um we'll talk about the January transfer window shortly. Um George, Harry Kane. Um Harry Kane's contract. Um any news on a new contract for him? Nothing at the minute. I think um I
2: think Dan Kilpatrick did a did a story just before the Leeds game. I think it was saying that, you know, Kane wouldn't talk about his contract until after the World Cup, which is if you look at a lot of clubs, I think Mason Mount said similar as well, um, or there's been writ- similar has been written about Mason Mount for Chelsea, and I, I think a few others. So it's not that isn't exactly um, a shock that the player a player doesn't want his representative to be sort of talking about contracts whilst so you've got such a big tournament going on. I mean, it is that I'm more, that I'd be more worried about bizarrely um, Kane being into the final 18 months because that's not a great a great place for the club to be, Spurs to be. But I, I also think it kind of lends itself similar to the Conte situation where Kane's basically saying, you know, you've I've got 18 months left. If you're not going to really, really go for this, you're not going to back Conte, you're not going to back a guy that I believe in, then what, what am I doing in? And maybe I will run my contract down and leave in 18 months' time. Because if he doesn't, surely he doesn't want to do another rebuild. And I think that was the big thing with when Spurs hired Conte. You know, they easily could have gone for a grand part type manager, but it would have been another Pochettino re- rebuilding job. And Kane and Son are in their prime. They're not you can't have Kane and Son and be doing a re- rebuilding job. You need to be going and making that final step. So I think that's yeah. what what Levy tries to do with Jose, which obviously didn't work and, and what he's now trying to do with Conte. And I, I think it does lend itself you know, Conte's happiness leads itself to Kane's happiness. You know, if, if Kane can see that Conte's getting what he wants and we're making strides forward, he's going to be more inclined to stay here. And the next contract he signs is is the one where he either stays at Spurs for life or he makes a decision he, he thinks we can't do what he wants to do as a player and he leaves. And I guess the next six months decide a lot of that really, don't they? If, if Spurs have a really good end, end to the season could do well in the Champions League. It looks like we are we have closed the gap to Man City come come May time. Then Kane will be in more of a position to say, yeah, I'm going to sign the dotted line. I'll sign another four or five years and finish my
1: career here and hopefully get the trophies that I deserve. What worries me about Harry Kane's contract, though, George, is the fact that um, he's got this season and he's got next season, uh, which, of course, by that time, he will have the all-time England goal-scoring record, which he's not very far away from at all may even do it during the World Cup. Um, And he's not very far away from Jimmy Greaves' record either. So he will have those records in place. Um, 18 months' time, you will know whether uh, Spurs are backing someone like Antonio Conte, whether we've got someone like Conte at the club. Uh, And, of course, as I say on this channel, so often players like Hugo Lloris, Hunmin Son, Harry Kane, um, Eric dyer you know, these guys have been at the club for so many years. And, of course, all of us fans are starved of the lack of trophies, no trophies for these, these, these players. And you, know, you go on, uh, you know, previous players, Christian Eriksson, Jan Vertonghen, Toby Alderweireld, you know, Pochettino, no trophies for them either. It's just, it's terrible. I, can't, I cannot believe that the, the fact that these guys have left and, and you know, the, the fact that we've had Harry Kane Hume, and Son for so long, we haven't won trophies. So um, it would be an interesting one to see what happens there. Um, now, of course, Spurs were so active in the summer window um, eight signings. Um, how would you describe um, a lot of their performances so far for Tottenham this season? Uh, Rashalison, ten Premier League appearances, five starts, zero goals. He got two goals in the Champions League in four appearances. Lingley, of course, is on loan. Um, eight Premier League appearances, seven starts for him. Uh, Perisic, fifteen Premier League appearances, nine starts. Jed Spence is one I'd, I'd like to talk to to you in detail. Uh, only three Premier League appearances. Um, all from the sub-bench. Fraser Forster only made one appearance so far, and that was in the League Cup. Saar, zero appearances so far this season. Basuma, 14 uh, appearances in the Premier League, six starts. And, of course, Udogi um, is still out on loan. Um, what have you made of the impact of these new signings in the summer window?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I still... you know, I come on, didn't I, not long after the summer window. And I, I do still maintain it, it was a really good window. I think what's not helped, obviously is the fact that Eves Bissouma has been a disappointment. And I, I'm not 100% sure, personally, whether I lay the blame at his door, whether I lay the blame at Conte's door. You know, maybe it's a bit of both there. Um, but that's, I think, when you sign a player for £25 million, you you expect more than we've had during this first half of the season. So I think that's been a big disappointment. And then, obviously, I actually feel a bit sorry for Richarlison because you read out his stats, his stats... Sound pretty awful for a sixty million pound forward, but I actually feel like he's always made an impact when he's played, and obviously he had the Marseille game where he scored. Yeah. Um, and I actually feel like he has been good for us, and we really missed him. Well, you know, we obviously missed Kulusevski hugely, but then to also lose Richarlison for that kind of three four week period afterwards also was really really hurt, um, really really damaged the team. So I uh, I do think come you know the end of the season that will be viewed as a good a good window and all those plays you know Clement Longley, I think has been really good actually and I'm extremely impressed by him you know not put a foot wrong really and scored a very important goal at Marseille and, and Perisic I was I thought he started really well then had a bit of a lull and I was kind of getting a bit frustrated with him because I expected more and he finished really strongly you know had some really really key assists especially in the Champions League um, so I think he you know you have to say him and Longley have been, been good and, and I think Richarlison has, I expect him to score a lot more goals in the second half of the season, so I'm happy with him. But obviously, you want a lot more from Yves Bissouma and, and Jed Spence we've hardly seen, or we haven't seen really. I you know, don't think he's played 90 minutes overall, has he? Uh, and that's been a big disappointment because, again, it's another, someone that's going to cost the club 20 million eventually if, if, you know, if all goes to plan, all the add-ons get met. And he's um, a really exciting player, but it just, it was pretty obvious from the get-go that Conte didn't trust him. My real, real hope is that Conte he earned Conte's trust during this period. This time time with no, you know, games to focus on. You can really drill home what Conte and his coaching staff want from someone like Jed Spence on the training pitch. And you hope that it just convinces Conte actually this guy can play in the Premier League. We can trust him. In the same way that he, he trusted Skip when he took over. You know, Skip didn't have a, a huge amount of experience, but he put him in and, and he delivered for Conte during in those first couple of months and Conte really, really loves Skip and he really, really calls him a reliable player. So that's, so it's not as if you know you can look at Jed Spence and say he's got no experience. That's completely binning him off. So I just really hope that he can get given a run of games in the second half of the season and then we'll get to the summer and potentially Jed Spence is our first choice right back. You know, Richardson scored 10 goals, hopefully key goals. Perisic has been really important. Basuma's sort of started to be a real option as a three-man midfielder or, or in a two and it looks a lot better but I think at the minute you kind of look at Jed Spencer and Basuma and it feels a bit underwhelming and, and, and obviously Richarlison's lack of goals which I do feel is a, you, know, you judge strikers on goals and he's not scored the goals but he's also been, been quite unlucky I think in terms of the minutes he's played and, and the injury that he got
1: George I don't know whether um, you covered the Bournemouth away game um, I did but- yeah I didn't write about yeah. support until 90th minute because I just know. <laughs> well, you you must have seen um, uh, the uh, what's it called the um, the the shot from Emerson Royale, um, go out the uh, the car park. Mm. Um, I tell you, the the away end went absolutely crazy. Um, he was even booed on on the last game. Um, at home, and you know what are you making of this situation with the with the wing backs because. We all know, as Spurs fans, that the wing-backs are so important to Antonio Conte, to this system. How on earth is Emerson Royale getting in this team? And many, many fans, including myself, are stating that, you know, Jed Spence had a cameo appearance at Nottingham Forest in the League Cup, thought he'd done pretty well. Um, Why is he not given a chance when Emerson Royale is? Um, And surely um, this is an area we have to address in the window.
2: Yeah, I think that that will be a key key issue in the window and there'll be a, I guess there's a lot of options that can happen really, you know, one of the one option which I hope wouldn't be the case is that Jed Spence goes out on loan because Conte decides he's not ready rightly or wrongly. I, I think I think if if Jed Spence played he would prove pretty quickly that he could be good enough at this level. I, I guess the only thing is that, you know we are Whenever a player's out of the team, they're all, they always become better and better each week. Everyone knows that. You know, how many times did you see it with, with Ndombele and Lo that, you know, they were out of the team, give them a go, put them in, put them in and they had a shocker. Um, so I think that you, we are in a situation where Jed Swenson's been built up to be a lot better than he was because he has only had last season in the Championship. But I do think it just feels like he has all the attributes to be the natural right wing back in our system, in Conte's system. So that is a frustration. But I think January will either see him go out on loan, he either stays and Conte gives him a run of games, but he probably sells, I guess it would be Emerson because I think Emerson probably could have gone in the summer but sort of dug his heels in. Um, I mean, Emerson's probably been a little bit lucky in a sense and same for Conte, that actually there was no games after that that Leeds, Leeds match because... It was such a crazy game that even the post-match press conference, there was only four questions asked to Conte, and inevitably one of them, you know, you, you would have thought would have been about that. Because as much as I think Emerson has not been good, you know, I don't, I don't like to see our own fans applauding someone off the pitch. The same way I didn't like it when, when yeah. Eric Dyer mucked up his header against Liverpool. Not long afterwards, Eric Dyer also did a header back, and he went to the Reese and it was sarcastically applauded. I don't really like stuff like that. I don't really see how that's gonna. I get that you pay your money, so you you within your rights to do what you want. But I don't see how that's going to benefit the team. But I think that Emerson issue could have been, that could have been a real big talking point if Spurs had another game a few days later about you know if the, if the fans are losing complete confidence in this guy, which they obviously have. And he he himself when he when he blazed over the shot against Leeds, I don't know if you remember it, but there was a there was a lovely bit of play down the left. I think it was Ben Davis cutting back. Yeah. Obviously, it goes to Emerson. He absolutely balloons it. He, I looked at him after that, and he looked absolutely like broken. Even Richarlison went up to him and like touched him on the head and said, "Ignore it, forget about it." But you've he be looked,
1: getting, You've got to be getting it on target, though, George.
2: Oh yeah, no, yeah, hundred percent. It should be scoring. Like, I mean, I, I'd fancy, fancy Jaffet Tanganga to score that. You know, let alone Emerson. But I think there is a there is a, a part of me that thinks actually if there'd been a game a week later, I think Conte might've had to take him out of the firing line. And it, yeah. could have been re- it could have been really good because he might've had to play Jed Spence or, or he would have given Dockett a and go and, and they could have taken their chance. But um, I, I think Emerson generally has, I think he's actually been pretty good defensively in patches. I think that's why Conte picks him. I, yeah. don't, I don't agree. He definitely shouldn't be our first choice. I would be playing Dockett ahead of him. I'd be playing Spence ahead of him, obviously, but I'd, Conte doesn't trust Spence, so I don't, I've never seen that as an option during his first half of the season. But I think the reason Conte has repeatedly picked him is because defensively he thinks he's the most secure out of those three. And he has openly said, Conte, that he wasn't happy with what Matt Doherty was doing during the first first couple of weeks of the season when he was coming back from an injury and he wasn't 100% fit. And obviously at the level that Conte expects of his win back. So I think Emerson playing, getting the run he did at the start of the season was also by default, you know, because there's no one else there, and he didn't trust Jed Spence. But it feels like surely, when you when they review this first half of the season, they'll look at Emerson and say, actually, this guy has not got better in 12 months going forward. In the win, in our system, win backs have to be creative. They need to be, you know, the ones delivering the key crosses, like we are getting on the other side of Perisic a lot of the time. And I would like to think that. He would, you know, if you're going to make a decision out of him, Spence and, and Matt Doherty, I'd like to think that Emerson would be the one that'd be sold in January and Spurs move forward with Doherty and, and Jed Spence. But I do, yeah, I, I fear that Jed Spence will go out and loan and then, and then we obviously keep Emerson and and we have another six months of, of what could get ugly, couldn't it? The fans have lost patience with him anyway. And I, I do understand why, because you're just not getting what what you want from a Brazilian Brazilian player who has been an international, but it could get ugly if, if, he, if Conte keeps picking him and he keeps not delivering as we have seen going forward because that's the key issue he needs to be delivering going forward and every time he gets the ball out wide the cross goes to the back post where no one is or it goes to the front post where no one is we've seen it for six months so you'd like to hope that now everyone
1: realizes it and, and maybe a change can happen in January. With Jed Spence, um, yesterday, um, it was noticed on Instagram that he deleted all of his pictures. Um, he deleted his bio, and he's just got um, a, a plain uh, black um, cover screen. So, um, you know, all all, it, all, all everything delete, everything has been deleted, uh, connected to Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, do you read anything into that? And also, what I was going to ask you, George, is the fact that, like you mentioned, Hotspur way now during the World Cup, He's got Emerson Royale and Jed Spence there. Um, do you think that he can get any more out of someone like Emerson Royale? Do you think he can improve? Because for me personally, I remember seeing his debut away at Selhurst Park. First game under Nuno, we lost 3-0 against Crystal Palace. Um, and I noticed very early on that Emerson Royale just did not want to take a player on. As soon as the ball come to him, he just wanted to go um, either sidewards or backwards. I... You know, like you said about um, you know the fans booing uh, players. I've never ever booed any Spurs player ever, and I don't think I will in the future. Um, But you want to see improvements, and I don't. For me personally, I don't think we're really seeing much improvement since the uh, since that debut against Crystal Palace.
2: Yeah, and and that's where the frustration comes from, isn't it? You've had you've had twelve months with Conte. He's obviously been at the club a year and a half now, essentially and he's not got better going forward. I mean, he's quite young, isn't he? Is he 23? Um, I can't think specifically what Kyle Walker would have been like at 23. I'm sure he would have been a lot better than that, but maybe he wouldn't have been you know, that far ahead of him, that it's not a stupid comparison. So you do have to, I guess, remember the age of someone like this. And, and Jed Spence is is 20, 21, isn't he? So, you know, if we put Jed Spence in the team and, and he's terrible defensively, but he's very good going forward. It's also it's almost the opposite, isn't it, of what we've got with with Emerson? So I do honestly think Emerson's not that bad going being defensively. But I think, yeah, with with Jed Spence, I didn't know that. Um, I,
0: hopefully, I, I that hopefully, hopefully, his
2: Instagram got uh, got hacked and he, and someone did it on purpose. But no, I mean, stuff like that is you shouldn't read into it, but then you kind of have to, don't you? Because that feels it feels telling if he's deleted everything and. Thank
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: I know the players aren't back yet, so I would find it highly unlikely he's been told he's going to be going out on loan in in, uh, in January already, but... That obviously that would be the the big conspiracy theory that I'm sure will be going around now because he's the everything.
1: What what also worries me as well um, is sometimes when the stadium um, you know put videos out of the players arriving, and Jed Spence his body language, he doesn't look very happy to me. Do 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 you think that um, you know he must look at Emerson Royale? he must look at the the stick that Emerson Royale has received, and he must be thinking surely why am I not getting my chance?
2: Yeah, I guess so. But then, is Matt Doherty not thinking the same thing? I mean, Jed, I'm, sure, I'm sure Jed would have known when he joined the club that he was going to be third choice. because, And if he didn't know that, then it, should, it probably should have been spelled out to him. And I, the only reason I say that is because Conte is very much somebody... He, he, he trusts players. You know, If you have his trust, you have his trust. Skip has got his trust. Oliver Skip's not played barely, or oh, has he, during the last year. But because he did well when when Conte first took over and did everything he did everything he wanted, he completely trusts Oliver Skip. You know whether fans agree with that or not, he, he completely does. He always and completely, you know, unprompted mentions Skip as a player he trusts as a young player as an example to Jed Spence. So when Jed joined, he it should have been spelled out to him that this first half of the season, your opportunities will be limited because you are the first the third choice right back for now, but. If the other two guys aren't aren't doing it, you you're going to get your opportunity. And I think I would have liked to have seen him obviously get a lot more opportunities when Emerson was suspended. It was a shame that he was able to play in the Champions League Emerson at that point because that could have could have been a good time for Spence. But I guess I mean we actually interviewed Spence um, when he when he made his home debut, which was that maybe against Frankfurt. The Frankfurt win. Um, he only played a couple of minutes, but he got a huge, huge cheer from the fans. And he was actually, you know, pretty, pretty calm, pretty chilled. You know, seemed fairly happy then, mid October, and he, and that was only his second appearance. And he only got a couple of minutes, but he did kind of seem switched on, and that he sort of understood that it, it was a process. and He felt like things were improving for him. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that this period is is really key, and I guess it's it's hard he's, he's a young player he wants to be playing football he's just you know last year he played 46 games for nottingham forest in the championship playing week in week out and now he's barely kicked the ball anger for the first 6 months of the season but at the same time it isn't uncommon if you're doing the step from the championship to the premier league um but i would i would really really hope that if he can i mean conte was quite conte was quite positive about him um it was before I think it was before the Forest game, the Cup game. or oh, Sorry, no, it was the, the one before that, actually. He was sort of quite positive about the fact that he's actually starting to understand what he wants now and he sees a lot of potential in him. Um, and again, that was another, that was kind of an unprompted. Oh, and, and he mentioned him as a player that, that should be playing for England in the future. He, he said him, Cessna and Oliver Skip, and they're three players that if, if everything goes right for them, they continue to progress. They should be playing for the national team at the next major tournament or the tournament after that. So uh, Conte knows he has a talent on his hands. It's just you just hope that Spence is taking in what, what he wants. And especially this crunch sort of month, is going to decide how the next six months of Jed Spence looks. He either goes out and loan, which has to be a Premier League loan, I think has to be, um, yeah. or, or he stays and, and he actually gets his opportunity and, and he starts to rotate with the other fullback who, who is still there. But yeah, I mean, I, I do... Yeah, I think you, to summarise, you'd say in an ideal world, Emerson gets sold in January. Jed Spence gets his chance and starts to take his chance. I mean, the, the last we want is Jed Spence to play. Maybe the FA Cup game have an absolute shocker, and then it's just Conte turns around and says, "This is why I can't play him," even though it's one game. Um, so just, I just hope that he he can impress during this next four weeks and then get slowly take his chance. I think mean, the FA Cup could be a good one if it, if it's quite a favourable team
1: you have seen many reports in the last couple of weeks stating that Juventus were interested in uh, Emerson Royale. Any any uh, any truth in that?
2: I think there is, to be honest, because um, I can't think of the name off the top of head. But there's, they do have a bit of an issue at right back. Um, I mean, even so, the, the, yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. <laughs> and they, they obviously haven't watched him. <laughs> um, but no, but like I say, he 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 can't cross the ball to save his life. But defensively. He, I don't think he's actually that bad player. And you look at his CV; he's got Barcelona on his CV, which always helps, even though he's, he's not played for him. So, Serie A, Italy, could be could be a good uh, could be a good fit around that, couldn't it? Um, and maybe they can give us another Kolesovsky. That that'd be nice. Or, or I guess Mackenzie actually that might that could be um, that could be
1: one that would suit all parties. Well, what do you think is realistic in the January transfer window for Spurs? Because, of course. Um, You know, last January, Benton Kerr and Kulusevsky coming in, um, you know, on the 31st of January, a lot of Spurs fans were very disappointed. I even had journalists from Italy on this channel stating that, um, you know, they're they're Juventus rejects. They're no better than Harry Winks. They're dreadful signings for Spurs. They're not going to do anything. Of course, they got us into the top four, transformed this, uh, this team, got us playing Champions League football. They've been absolutely superb, the pair of them. Um, Surely, George, um, we need players. Antonio Conte needs players that are now going to walk into this team again this January uh, to to help Tottenham Hotspur get Champions League again for next season, finishing in the top four and hopefully put a trophy in the cabinet. I know it's a long long way off, but, you know, we can all hope. Um, What is realistic for Spurs and and what are the areas that Tottenham will be looking at to improve? Yeah,
2: don't listen to us journalists. We talk a lot of rubbish, but... um... No, I think I think probably similar wouldn't be completely off ball. I can't I can't see Spurs going out and signing, you know, four or five players because it's January and, and everyone will, will say it is a really difficult month to do deals. But Spurs will definitely want I would say an attacking option, whether that's attacking midfielder or a wide forward or or an actual centre forward, because it showed not only when Kulosevsky was out, and Rich was out, but also Lucas Moura, I mean, I personally think we shouldn't be moving on from him. But even, you know, he was injured and, and that obviously was an issue for Conte not to have another rotation option off the bench. So I think we'll, we will definitely be pushing to get an attacking midfielder type player. Um, and I think we will get one. I mean, there's noises, isn't there? Um, there's been a lot of noises about Ruslan and Malinowski. Um, I think Alistair Gold um, said this week as well that the sort of interest remains there. And I, I just think that makes a lot of sense, to be honest. That ticks so many boxes, you know, contracts running down. I think he's got 18 months left. Had a really good time last season, not, not so well this year, but that sometimes happens. That was probably, that was the case with Kudusevsky. That was the case with Bensinkor. Obviously, extremely talented players, but sometimes you either get stale at a club, which was the case for Bensinkor, or you don't get your opportunity, which was the case for Kudusevsky. And a change of scenery works. And I think... If Spurs could bring in someone like Ruslan Malinovsky, I think that'd be that'd be a good bit of business as as kind of a, almost a like for like for Kulosevsky and and even someone that's going to put him under pressure or or actually going to give him the break that he probably needs. And then I guess a lot depends probably on Jed Spence, but I think a centre back and, and a right wing back is probably the other real area where where Spurs would be looking to do business. And I think the centre back is a tricky one because. Obviously, there's a lot of talk in the summer, wasn't there, about um, Bastoni, and he's not had a great first half of the season. But I just I struggled to see how a deal as big as that potentially could could go through in January. Um, so I, I think Spurs will definitely sign players, and I, I'd imagine it would be Malinowski, but the second one or, or potentially a third one, one not so sure. And then the caveat to all this is you, you need you need English English homegrown players. So that's probably where the Anthony Gordon link lends itself, but that just feels way too much money for a guy who's
1: unproven, really. Surely, though, George, it will be um, players of real quality that Conte wants. It won't be players for the future. It won't be club signings. It won't be players that are going to sit on the bench. He wants to improve this starting eleven, doesn't he? And uh, you know, for, for for you, apart from right wing back and perhaps a creative player. Do you think that um, the main areas of improvement are at centre-back? Because if you take Hoybier uh, and Bentenker in the centre midfield, for example, I don't think uh, they can really be improved in the form that they are in. Um, if you look at our front line, um, if all fit, it is exceptional. Um, so surely it is defensively. Um, and also what I wanted to ask you is um, Hugo Lloris. Um Eventually he will need to be replaced at the end of next season. Uh, his contract runs out. Um are we linked with any goalkeepers? Do you know of any goalkeepers that Spurs have been tracking?
2: I mean, I, I Spurs won't sign a goalkeeper in, in January. Um, but yeah, the Hugo, that is that is something that has to be looked at. I mean, there was talk about Jan Oblack, wasn't there? Um, I think about a month or so, a month or so ago. And I've seen Jordan Pickford linked. And I I actually do I wouldn't be against that, to be honest. Um, he's his contract's running out, he's got 18 months. I know that from time to time, you get mistakes with him. But what people actually forget is how young he is. You know, he's he's nowhere near his prime or or he's just getting into his prime, you could say, as a goalkeeper. And he's done big things on the big stage. I mean, he was unbelievable for England last year in the Euros. And I actually think he's been very consistent for Everton during the last probably 18 months. Um, He made a mistake against us, um, ironically, but, and that would also fit in with the the home quota and the homegrown quota. So i I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely, you know, Spurs fans. I wouldn't turn turn your nose up at jump Pick, but I honestly think he could be a player that can improve and, and could be a good sign that ticks the boxes. But obviously, it's not going to happen in in January. But that is, I do love Hugo, but I think it it feels like, especially some of the mistakes that he did during those last couple of weeks. It kind of feels like it, a change is is on the horizon there. Yeah, but center back. Yeah, I. Conte really likes Eric Dyer, but I, I wonder if Eric Dyer needs to be the backup centre-back for us. And we need, obviously, a, world, a world-class a world centre-back ahead of him. And obviously, they are few and far between, but I don't think that type of signing would be made in January. I think, like like I said, you yeah, Bastoni, I think potentially that could be one for the summer. Um, he's got a couple of decent centre-back partners as well, is not he? Um, there's talk with, with those guys, but I... I can't see Spurs signing a centre-back, a a world-class centre-back in January. I can see him signing very good options. And I know, obviously, the players that Spurs can be signing will be first-team players. But what you also want to do, slowly but surely, is just improve that squad depth. So if you look at someone like Lucas Moura, if Spurs sold Lucas Moura in January and you sign someone that's a lot better than Lucas Moura, you improve the squad because Conte will look to the bench. And we'll see player A, who's a lot better than Lucas Moura, and he actually can come on and affect a game, even though he might not necessarily be somebody that's going to come on and and go straight into the starting team. And we did essentially do that in January. We signed Kulosevsky. People looked at him and thought, how much of an an improvement on what we have is he? And he's coming and completely blown everyone out of the water and been unbelievable. And you do have to kind of trust that the signings we're going to be making, you know, those type of players are, are going to be out there, and, and they are going to join us. And I think, yeah, I look elsewhere. I think Basuma. I, I do honestly believe Basuma will be a really good player for us. So I don't think centre midfield feels like a key issue at the minute. Um, so yeah, I'd say attacking midfield, and then that you know, right wing, right wing back, and centre back are the, are the key areas for Spurs. I mean, you know, maybe. Maybe they do business where you see someone like Jaffa Tanganga go out or Davison Sanchez potentially go out and then you, you bring in someone that's better than, than either of them. So I think January will be that kind of month. Maybe you get one really good signing and then you get a couple that are just improving that squad depth overall. And, and that is what the best clubs do. You know, Man City do that all the time. They sign these players that you don't look at and think they're amazing players. And then a couple of you know, 12 months later, they're in the starting team and, and they're really, really, really
1: key individuals. George, because of the World Cup uh, taking place uh, during November and December, do you think it's going to be easier or harder signing players in the January transfer window? Um, it may be,
2: I think maybe I think maybe easier because there will be a a kind of calm period, won't there? You know, whether it's a week for anyone involved in the World Cup final, but really, realistically, anyone that goes out. Even in the group or the knockout stage, you've then got quite a, a, a little chunk of period where your future can be resolved. I mean, we've seen today, haven't we? You know, Ronaldo's left left Man United just just as an example. I think you know potentially you're going to see this period as as a time when when clubs make decisions on players, and and because you don't have the relentlessness of Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, the manager can get involved in that chat and, and not. Yeah, you know, as Conte sort of regularly said he, he hasn't wanted to speak to about speak about transfers because other than transfers, need to make them because he's so focused on the games. Whereas this period he, he can he can think about signings and and the future. So yeah, I think actually it probably helps, I think, this year to have the World Cup and and to have a little bit of a break afterwards and 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 also with the World Cup, we always see a player do brilliantly or players do brilliantly and they get a move after it. Um it doesn't normally work, as <laughs> as I, I should add. James Rodriguez was amazing 2014 for Colombia, and then went to Real Madrid and barely scored a goal for the next sort of four or five years. Um, but that is kind of another thing that will happen. You'll have stars from the World Cup that all of a sudden everyone will be chasing. Um, and then when, you know, it's that player moves, it's just a knock on effect. You know, one player leaves, that one needs to be replaced. Whoever signs to replace him has to be replaced. So I can see, I can see there being it probably being a busier January than, than maybe normally it would Um especially with COVID a little bit further away. You know, everyone is sort of willing to spend a bit more now that, that COVID is kind of a bit more of a distant memory and the finances and the stadiums and the, and the revenues sort of getting back to what it was.
1: I've got to ask, George, now you've mentioned Ronaldo, any chance of Spurs signing him?
2: I don't, I don't, I'm I just thinking about it. I don't know if I'd if I'd want him. I may, maybe that's really, really stupid, but Conte definitely likes him sort of he's you know the pre-match man united he was sort of chuckling about you know him scoring the hat trick last time um, during the previous game and, and he's all he's always been very very highly complimentary about him you know obviously he's one of the world's greatest ever um, i don't think it probably could happen just because ronaldo's wages but
1: even yeah, the wanted... shirt, sa- the, sh- the shirt sales would pay for itself
2: yeah shirt sales no that it's a bit of a myth that personally um uh, I've looked into it a bit. I, I know that there was a lot of talk when he signed for United. They they made back the money in, whatever it was, um, twenty four hours. But it's actually a bit of a myth because that you only get a certain percentage of the shirt sales. The club anyway, some of it goes to Nike and etc. But I don't think I don't think wages wise, it it would it would work. Um, I mean, if we wanted a, a backup to Harry Kane, it wouldn't be a bad one, would it? But, um, no, I imagine he probably goes. He, he might even, if he doesn't go to PSG potentially, just, you know, just to chuck another World Superstar in there, then then I imagine it it maybe be MLS or uh, or he'll stay out in, in the Middle East and, and go somewhere that way.
1: Mm. Now, we keep being linked to um, Anthony Gordon of Everton. Um, is there any news on this one? Do you think the Spurs could possibly go back to Everton and try and get this deal done?
2: I mean, there's obviously interest there because it's a, it's a link that hasn't that hasn't gone away, and and I understand why in terms of a young, talented player who's sort of making a bit of a mark in the Premier League, and he's English. That's that's the big factor. It's another homegrown player because we need more homegrown players. But bearing in mind that Chelsea were being quoted kind of sixty million, I, I start I can't justify Spurs spending sixty million on a guy that scored six, seven Premier League goals. You know, as as talented as he clearly is, I just can't see that that being one for now. But with these situations, you, you know, in six months' time, maybe Everton will again realise they need to cash in on another big player, and he could be the player they cash in on. But it won't be sixty million; it would maybe come down to 35-40. and that's more of a deal that Spurs could do. But there, there obviously is interest there, and Fabio Paratici, you know, must like him because. There is there is a lot to like about Nicol, and I just can't justify sixty million. And I don't personally think it'll be one that will happen in January. But it's he's obviously a very talented player, and one that one that Spurs are, are interested in.
1: Now, um, also, um, the Daily Express put out a piece uh, a couple of days ago. hitting uh the buyer Leverkusen centre uh, back and in Ecuador international. Um, this is exactly what I mean, George, about players for the future and players coming in. Um, do you think that do you think that this window in January is going to be like like last window in two players signing uh, and walking straight into the team? Because I can't see Conte wanting players just to be in the squad. Surely it's got to improve the. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, players for the future, every club needs them. Uh, but Antonio Conte is about the now, isn't he? Yeah, I don't
2: think it would make sense to be signing someone that's going to be. Fifth or sixth centre back option, it, especially when we've got someone like Davison Sanchez who costs forty five million. You know, why would you sign someone that's going to go ahead of him? It, it just doesn't make doesn't make sense, and he's going to still be there. Um, no, I think Spurs will sign. I think they will. They will sign a real top quality player in January, and then maybe one or two that are good squad players. I mean, you know, that, that guy you just mentioned from Bayern. I don't know. He, he probably the fact he's at Bayern it makes you think he, he is a better player than Jaffa Tanganga. But I think I'd I'd li- like Spurs to be signing someone who's better than Davison Sanchez. Basically, if you're going to be signing the centre back, don't don't sign a young centre back that's going to be a sort of taking Jaffa Tanganga's space. Essentially, sign someone that's going to be pushing Eric Dyer, that's going to be pushing Christian Romero, that's going to be pushing Clement Longley. You you want someone that's really really you know there and going to be challenging those guys and. I think you know potentially there is there is op, there is kind of scope for Spurs to sign a very good centre back in January. I just I think it's going to be one or the other. They're either going to sign a really good attacking player or they're going to sign a really good centre back and I don't think it. I can't see it being both just because it's a difficult a short period of time where you where they haven't got a huge amount of of time to do deals um and it also depends on the other club and who they're going to bring in to sign that player. It's just a lot more awkward, I think, to do compared to the summer where pretty much from May the twenty fifth until August, middle of August, you've or to the end of August, you've got this period to sign players and it's just a lot easier then. But I do honestly think Spurs will sign a really, really good player in January. I
1: Is there any other at... names? Is there any other names, George, that we've not mentioned who you know that Spurs are looking and tracking at the moment?
2: Um, off the top of my head I can't think I mean you, you said Gordon you said Malinowski, um Bastoni uh, is,
1: all, is always linked um, another one that I saw um, earlier today um, Nicolo Zaniolo uh, the Roma player uh, yeah. is, is this a deal that we could possibly go back to
2: I, I think it, it it could potentially be a case of him or or Malinowski. Um, I mean, Roma didn't want to sell, did they? Back in, I don't think Jose wanted to sell either. Back in, back in the summer. Um, again, he's not had the best of. This this all lends itself to to being positive. The fact that he hasn't had the best of first halves of the season, and you know maybe Jose would want would want to sort of cash in on him and use the money elsewhere. But um, I think I do I do want to keep going back to. Manloskin and, and kind of feel like that would be that would be one that would be more likely. I think that's just, I think, you know, Rome obviously really, really highly value um Daniola. So I, and there's a lot he has a lot more potential to get better if, if he's had a difficult season. So I I can see them wanting to hold on to him for another six months. Whereas I think Atlanta seem happy to do a deal. Um so that feels a lot more easier one to do.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the Malinowski one would be a, a decent deal actually, because um, he can play across the midfield, in the centre of midfield, and of course uh, across the whole of the front line as well. Um, now we've spoken about Jed Spence, Brian Hill, and uh, Papa Matasar. Would you expect both of these players to go out on loan in the January window?
2: Yeah, I think so, and, and I would I would chuck in Tanganga there as well. Um, okay. so certainly, I mean with Brian Hill, it's it's a frustrating one because it, you see glimpses of of the potential there, and why people kind of, you know, yeah, half half seriously, half jokingly nicknamed it nicknamed him the sort of next Messi because you know his his dribbling style when when he is on the ball, and when he's beating players, you know, like we saw in that little cameo against Frankfurt, he's really really exciting. Um, but he has been he has been in England. I know he had the loan with Valencia, but he has been in England for for twelve months, and he doesn't look strong enough to handle the Premier League. Yeah. And that can't that can't be ignored. Um I would personally like him to go out and loan to a Premier League club, you know, give him six months of playing every week, and then you never know he could come back to Spurs and be a David Silva, which is what Conte himself said a couple of weeks ago. You know, that's the type of player he sees him potentially becoming in the future. And and he, and he he obviously knows that Brian Hill is extremely talented, just physically he's not strong enough to handle the Premier League. So I would I would expect him to go out and loan. I'd hope it would be a Premier League loan if we're going to realistically use him as an option for next season. Um, and then, yeah, I think, bizarre, isn't it? Pape Ma- Mape, Sarr, um not even, you know, nowhere near Spurs' squad and yet he's on the bench for Senegal. Um, I didn't yeah. check if he come on or not yesterday. He but didn't. He didn't, no. But, I mean, the chances are he's probably he's going to play some, he's going to play some sort of, he's going to probably play more minutes at, at the World Cup than he will for Spurs this season. Yeah. But, you know, again, he, he's another guy, he's very slight, doesn't look like he's physically strong enough um, to be a Premier League option. Yeah. But yeah, he'll go out on loan. And I think Jaffa Tenganga just needs, to, needs a loan because he's just stuck in a, in, a, in a horrible place that young players do find themselves in where, you know, they're not sure whether, you know, they're not good enough to get in the first team of the squad that they're at. But all these options in terms of loans, you know, maybe don't don't feel the right right one for them and, and they don't don't materialise. But he has to go out and play games because not playing games. It's, it's maybe all right to go six months without playing games like, like we're kind of seeing with Jed Spence. But then you need to play because then your development does does stall if you're not playing regularly. So I'd I'd expect all, all three of those guys to go. And I think there's probably scope for some of the other sort of fringe first teamers to move on in, in January, you know, potentially Lucas Moura, and maybe some of these guys on loan. Be great if we could sort of actually get a permanent deal for La Celso or an Undember I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally surprised if one of those two went permanently in January and we could get some money back. And then and if, if stuff like that happens then then there is more of a chance that Spurs will go big in January and actually, you know Sign so, you know maybe two three really really brilliant players if you can bring some money back in because as we all know we've all been Spurs fans long enough Spurs aren't just going to spend un unwillingly there there needs to be sort of money coming back in for them always to spend more you know spend big essentially what I'm saying there's definitely money to spend but don't expect Spurs to be spending 100 million in in January unless potentially you know a few players do leave you know permanently.
1: What budget would you expect in the January window, George?
2: I think sort of fifty million, um, and and again, you know, that's that's a figure that people oh, we're going to sign a fifty million player. That obviously goes into kind of wages and and loads of loads of smaller intricate things, um, you know, loan fees and things like that. So I I do see Spurs having money spent because I think it was around about hundred they spent in the summer, give or take a little bit. Of the 150 that we, that the big cash injection that, that Enik decided to do, um, which was kind of a, you know, again a bit of a power play as well, showing Conte that they believe in him. So I, I do honestly think Spurs will, will make a couple of signings in, in January. Maybe, maybe you know, Malinowski or or Zanin Zaninow is kind of a 15, 20, 25 million million one, and then you get a couple of sort of 10. 10 million players or, or, you know, or a loan or a player on loan kind of thing on, on the edges um, but I do think there will uh, you know I'm I'm confident Smurz will spend money in January because otherwise come February the 1st they're going to be very unhappy Antonio Conte and that's not that's not helpful for anyone is it?
1: George I was going to end on by talking about the four players you've just mentioned two of them uh, the players that didn't get on the plane uh, to South Korea in the summer for preseason under Conte, uh, record on winks on and Lo Celso. of course we've paid, uh, near hundred million pounds for on Dombele and Lo Celso combined. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, deals will get done for, for one or two of them. Um, Harry winks. He's not kicked the ball yet for Sampdoria. He's just had surgery. Um, what is the situation with Harry winks? Is he still out in Italy? As he come back to Tottenham? Um, is that loan going to continue until the end of the season? Um, and the Sergio Regulon one uh, for Atletico Madrid, is that until the end of the season or would you expect him to come back in January?
2: No, I think both of them will will stay there. I mean, you know, Regulon's a bit, a bit of a different one because he obviously went there with an injury and, and then he's, he's just come back and he, started, he did start to play just before the break. So I imagine him staying there and, and sort of getting games in the second half of the season. I mean, Wink's... Winks has had a, a nightmare. Um, but I think there is potentially light at the tunnel there because he, he did just have an operation. Yeah. I mean, clearly clearly, what's happened with with that one is Harry Winks has gone out there with maybe what you'd call a niggle or, or a bit of a strain and, and they've kind of hoped that no treatment will will kind of help. And, and in a couple of weeks, he'll be back and he's obviously felt more pain. And eventually, they've finally made the call to actually... Uh, to um, to To have surgery and, and to get the issue sorted, um, I can't remember why I read it. I think it. I think he must have done an Instagram post, but he kind of said something on the lines of "you know, looking forward to um, to playing, to helping the team or something" along those lines during the second half of the season. That uh, you, you don't feel like he would say that unless he felt like he was going to be there. Um, he, he, could, he could easily not say that. Do you know what I mean? he it doesn't doesn't have to put that in, in. So I I can see I can't see. That one being cancelled in in January and just find it having to find him another club. It, it's just it's these are the kind of deals that you don't really want Paratici having to worry about in January. You want him to be focusing on on buying players or, or getting players that are currently at Spurs out the door to bring in a bit of money. You don't really want him to be focusing on Regulon and Winks and having to find them new clubs. Because Conte clearly doesn't want them in his plan, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, so, yeah, I imagine they all carry on. And, and yeah, I honestly think, I mean, Dembélé's done done pretty well, hasn't he? Um, scored against Rangers, although I don't think that's been too hard this season. But, uh, yeah, I, I would hope that one of them will, will go permanently and then that's a little bit of money back. But, I mean, I, I was really excited when they both signed. So, I've been massively underwhelmed by both of them. Um, and it, it's a real shame, actually, Lo Celso didn't go to the World Cup because that probably would have just boosted his his value even more because he's really, really well, well liked to Argentina, and he's a starter for them. Scaloni loves him. Um, yeah, maybe if, if he played today, they, they wouldn't have lost to Saudi Arabia. He's that good.
1: Uh, well, that that is the biggest shop window you can be in. And if, as you say, if Los Celso was playing, then uh, you know you never know a team could come in for him. Um, George, where do you think Spurs will finish at the end of this season? And what will be what will be successful for Antonio Conte this season?
2: I think that. What would be successful for him, I think, would be signings in January, <laughs> um, top four, and winning a trophy. I think that would be success to him. He would feel that progression in terms of we've got a trophy into the squad, we've taken, and you'd like to close the gap, obviously, in, in terms of two city. Um, I honestly, I'm, I'm a dreamer. So I look at the Champions League and I hear Conte randomly deciding to talk about it after beating Leeds and how it's a competition that is unpredictable and and the, the shorter competitions, anything can kind of happen. And I just think we did it a few years ago. I feel like we should, we should beat ACM Land. Chelsea were able to dispatch them pretty pretty easily. Obviously, they're a good side, but I, I don't think, I think we can beat them. And then we're, then we're in there in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Why, why can't we dream... On paper, I feel like we can beat anyone on our, on our day. We showed that last season, one at the Etihad, yeah, could have won at Anfield. You know, obviously, this season, we've not done too well against the top sides, but I think the injuries have really lent itself up. So uh, the dream in me says we come fourth, maybe we struggle a little bit in the league because we're juggling the Champions League run, and then uh, we end the long wait with a Champions League win. God, it'd be brilliant be absolutely brilliant. But no, I, I do honestly feel like Conte will win us a trophy. So maybe if I'm being totally realistic, FA Cup and, and full will, will well, be, be my great. prediction. I, I, I would love that.
1: So would I. i tell you that would be great. We'll, we'll, we'll end there on a positive, George. You know, the trophies uh, hopefully will be coming because uh, they are way, way overdue. 1991, our last FA Cup win is just a crazy, crazy stat. So hopefully I'm Antonio Conte can do it. I was born 93, so I don't even
2: know what it looks like to see Spurs lift the FA Cup. Painful.
1: Well, George, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you on again. And hopefully you can come back uh, during the January transfer window and give us a little bit more gossip. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you on social media and uh, what you're up to at the moment.
2: Uh, I'm on Twitter, on at George Sessions. I'm doing a bit of rugby at the minute, so if, if you want to find out what's going on like, Twickenham, then uh, then follow that. And I'll be at Spurs in a couple of weeks for some of the Tyson Fury um, fight as well. So um, against Derek Chisora. So yeah, there's a few bits going on while Spurs are away. But um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, Chris. Do do really appreciate it and, um, and and keep up all your all, all your great work as well. I'm always Thank you very well, much. always seeing you popping here, then everywhere. So uh, you're putting me to shame
1: thank you actually George I didn't ask you who do you think will win the World Cup
2: I actually thought Argentina but uh, I same think... <laughs> yeah I, I really honestly I watched the Messi documentary and I was like yes Messi's going to win it um, let's let's go Harry Kane Harry King Kane King, England, England England I think England will go deep honestly do and if we can go deep we we Semi-finals, runner-up, next step. We know what it is.
1: This really is a positive show. George reckons that England are going to win the World Cup. We're going to get two new signings in January. We're going to finish top four and win the FA Cup. What a, what a dream that would be.
2: Or the Champions League. I was, I was getting really excited then. Or the you know, Champions League. Probably, probably, love probably the
1: FA Cup. Love it. Love, love your positivity, George. Thanks so much uh, for watching, everybody. Uh, really appreciate all of your support. If you don't subscribe to this channel as yet, please do hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening to this on an audio platform, please do hit that follow button and leave a review if you can. And I will see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs.